Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hello, everybody. I think we're having some technical difficulties. Well, welcome to 2022. Um, we are so excited that you're back with us here on We Gotta Talk. We had a few fun episodes to round out last year. And this year, we're kicking things off um, with some great information from the co- <clears throat> excuse me, co-founder of Kulina Health. Tamar Samuels is a registered dietitian nutritionist. And what we're going to dive into today is all about healthy habits to start 2022. Because if you're anything like me, the most annoying subject line ever that you've probably gotten bombarded with this year so far is new year, new you, let's change you, let's make you into a different person. Sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's about embracing uh, who we are and where we are and finding the inspiration to kind of make things better with a slow, healthy start. So I'm really, really excited. Rachel, I think you gave me the thumbs up that you can pop on. Yeah, for a second. Um, I wanted to ask you before we bring on Tamar, um, first of all, happy new year officially. Happy official new year. Yes, there was some like dog situation happening per usual. So Did, was there, was I caught on camera in the beginning, like doing one of these because I, I was seeing black on my end. No, okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. Everything looked good to me. I guess we'll find out on the replay when I get off of this. Oh my Lord. Um, do you have new year's resolutions, Rach? Do you do new year's words? Like what's your whole thing? No, I don't do any of that. I don't believe in any of that. I feel like it's too much pressure to put on yourself to only yeah. just sort of end up failing in some way because like if you set these like ridiculous goals that you don't have a plan or actionable steps to like help mm -hmm. you get to those places I feel like it ends up just being a big letdown I just try to be a good person every day Sunny and that it seems to be enough for me <laughs> I love it I don't do resolutions either I'm uh, but I do respect the people, there are people in the world who like to set concrete goals and get them, whether that's like a number yeah. on the scale for people or it's the number of times that they go and work out per week. I respect that. Um, yeah, no resolutions for me, but I do have, and I've been talking about this on social media, so I'm not going to belabor this because we're going to talk about it more later. But my only goal this year, as you can see by me dressed up in my Chiquita banana dress, which is I love. <laughs> by the way, it's winter in like 95% of the country, except here in Florida where it's actually beautiful. But um, so I'm aware of how silly this might look to some people. But listen, I turned 40 last year and Rach, I had this epiphany, hmm. especially as the new year is starting, that I'm on the back half of the track. You know what I mean? I spread around the first bend and I am gonna wear the nice clothes and spray the nice perfume and burn the nice can't like I was finding myself I of course was locked in early motherhood for about eight years just completely surviving but yeah this is the year to just like enjoy and it, feel, it plays so well into today's theme because tomorrow and her yes. her company are all about starting where you are and embracing what and who you are so um yeah if you see me walking around in hooker heels just know <laughs> this is the year this Sunny's is the going, year we're Sunny's going to act like an adult up in a mini skirt and hooker heels. Hey kids, smelling like she's right at the club. They're going to be like, "What's happening with Sunny and her husband? Why is she trying to like? What's going on? What do what does I her children think?" I have a whole closet full of clothes I never wear, and I'm like, you know what? I'm making it happen this year. So whether it's comfortable sweatpants for one day that just are a little cuter than the normal sweatpants or the banana dress, it's happening. So yeah, we'll talk more about that. it. I support that. I think 
I think I can relate a little bit to what you're saying about like just sort of embracing what we have. Like I have had a Chromecast like to watch my like Netflix with on my television for over 10 years. And it's like the most outdated, it's the OG original Chromecast device. And it stopped streaming my hockey, which is a big problem for me because I, I, you know, I, I do hockey things. And I was like, what is this buffering? That's it. I'm buying a Roku. It was $25. Why have I waited? Why? 12 years to buy an updated device, Sunny. I have no idea. I can't explain it, but it was the best gift I gave to myself this holiday season. I it's love like, it. I love it. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But we get it's, so used to our things that we just adapt. And we, sometimes we need to shake it up a little or some buffering to, to happen. More. Yes. Buffering and showing up with what and who we are and what we have. Rachel, thank you. We'll bring you You're back welcome. on the back end if we have some time. Let's bring in Tamar Samuels now, as I said at the top of the show. She is co-founder of Kalina Health and a registered dietitian nutritionist. Tamar, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Sunny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and happy new year. Happy new year. And we talked before the show, you have a 10 month old baby. So you're like entering the period of hibernation that I'm just emerging from. And I yeah. feel both very happy for you and also a little bit like, oh, good. Um, how are you? I mean, how these stripper rest? heels, I'm kind of like really into this. I need to figure out how I can integrate this into my life. But I think it's going to be a few years until I can make that happen. I was going to say, wait till the baby starts sleeping. And then, you know, you, you get a little reclaim little parts of yourself back. That is really has been the yeah, biggest thing for me. I'm sure you're seeing it too. Motherhood is a journey and it takes energy and time. And sometimes we put our, our own things to the side until the big parts of that are kind of done. So yeah. Anyway, I, I got makeup but, on. So I think that that's, that's the first step, right? <laughs> that qualifies. Well, yeah. I mean, I do believe that what you guys are doing at Kalina really does kind of come at health and well-being from that perspective. You guys are all about multifaceted health, a sort of positive psychology approach to keeping our bodies and our minds healthy. So tell us a little bit about what it means to approach health from a multifaceted aspect. Well, you know, as a dietitian, obviously I'm an expert in food, but food doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? Like it's, it's we don't just eat for fuel. Everyone comes to me and like, oh, tomorrow I wanna eat for fuel. I'm like, no, that's not possible. We eat for so many different reasons. Food and our nutrition is influenced by, you know, our stress levels, our feelings, our um, socioeconomic status and access to food. Um, it's influenced by exercise, right? So it's really important for us to be able to support people in all of those domains because um, we don't just eat to fuel our body. We eat for pleasure, for comfort, for community. Um, and I think it's important to address all aspects of our lifestyle because they influence how we eat and what we eat and our ability to be healthy and achieve our health goals. So as a lot of people start the new year, this seems to be the time where we like to pay more attention to the habits that we've already created, some things that we want to maybe start doing. What are you hearing people say as they come to work with you? And do you get that sort of influx of customers and clients as the start of a new calendar year happens? Oh, yeah, it's our busiest time of the year, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I, I heard you guys talking a little bit about New Year's resolutions earlier. You know, I'm not against them. I think it's important to to capitalize on motivation, right? People are really motivated in the new year. It's an opportunity for us to think about, I don't like to say starting over, but, um, 
you know, reinvigorating our goals and what's important to us. And even just the reflective piece, I think is really great. And so anytime there's an opportunity to do that, I like to celebrate it because it really helps to spark change and motivation. And really motivation is the hardest part when it comes to making changes in your health, right? So if the new year is an opportunity for people around the world to be more motivated, to do the things that make them feel good, then I'm all about it. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people who come to work with you have sort of nutrition or health goals in mind. Tell us what people are mostly asking for. I would like to think it's not always just about losing weight or fitting into the pair of jeans or whatever. What are people asking for beyond the traditional wanting to get their bodies back in shape? Yeah, you know, Sunny, you're you're absolutely right. The shift away from weight has been a big one. I mean, I think it's certainly still something that people are mindful of. Um, but really we're focused on health for 2022, right? I think with um, the global pandemic that we're experiencing, people are really aware of how important health is overall. And when I talk about health, I'm not just talking about body size, I'm talking about you know things like health chronic conditions like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, but also you know energy levels and um, you know cognition, right? Like people want to feel clear and motivated and energetic. Um, they want to have energy to get through the day to do things that they love. Um, just take better care of themselves. Um, to be happy and healthy is, is really the biggest thing that our clients are, are asking for uh, this year. Yeah, it really seems like the entire industry, uh, the well wellness or, or health industry has shifted away from what people want you to lose or take away from yourself and maybe habits that you want to add, healthy habits or other things like that. That's kind of encouraging because it is really depressing to read these constant advertisements for how to lose the last five pounds or how to how to deal with weight gain from the holidays. Even if you don't have a personal issue with eating, that bombardment of negative associations and like negative messaging can really get people down. I feel like no matter how well you are in your own mind, being reminded all the time of those types of messagings, messaging that that thin equals health is really, really damaging for all of us. Yeah. I mean, especially for women, right? I, this is something that we have experienced for far too long. And I think women are taking back their perception of what beauty is and and making that a much more diverse picture. And, and at the end of the day, uh, what we look like doesn't necessarily equate to how healthy we are. Um, and I think that's a really important message. Um, anyone, regardless of their size, has deserves to be healthy and can be healthy. I think, you know, there are clear parameters medically um, that are important to be mindful of when it comes to measuring our health. Um, but we could expand those parameters and include things like having, you know, good energy, feeling positive, being able to walk down the street. You know, I, I think it's important for us to think about health in a really holistic, comprehensive way. Do you find a lot of clients are asking for help with emotional eating? Um, we've done episodes before on um, intuitive eating and the importance of understanding what your body truly needs versus wants and tapping into that. And it seems to be like, it's one of the most downloaded episodes or listened to episodes that we've put out. And it's curious to me how popular that topic is, but it must be a very, very big thing. So emotional eating, how to learn how to intuitively eat, walk us through some of that and what working with you guys would look like and sort of tackling that type of behavior. 
Yeah, so emotionally eating is really, you know, utilizing food to provide, uh, to meet a need. Um, typically, food is used um, when an uncomfortable feeling occurs, but it can also uh, you can also utilize food when you're feeling happy, right? So if you're celebrating, oh, let's eat, right? Um, but or if you're feeling sad or lonely, let's eat for comfort, right? Uh, or eating for out of stress management. Um, emotional eating is something that most of us do. <laughs> food is like very accessible, and it does uh, make us feel better in the short term. Um, the problem with emotional eating is when we rely exclusively on food um, to manage our emotions and feelings, right? Emotional eating can be a tool um, to help you to feel better in the short term. However, for a lot of people, it actually um, makes them feel worse in the long term. So it's not an effective tool. Um, it's, it's very circumstantial. I think really the problem is relying on food exclusively to manage your emotions. That's really the big issue with emotional eating. So, you know, when I have clients come to me and they're like, I'm emotionally eating, I'm like, okay, well, how often are you doing it? Right. Is it impacting your quality of life? And they're like, Oh, you know, I do it like once a month and it's, really doesn't have that much of an impact except maybe I have a stomach ache, but the stomach ache only lasts a day. I'm like, okay, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. get rid of the guilt around that. And and if you need to lean on food in those moments, that's okay. Um, so I think that's sort of like how we think about emotional eating. Intuitive eating is a is a is another um ball game, <laughs> right? I think intuitive eating can be really beneficial for people who have eating disorders. Um, however, there are aspects of intuitive eating that aren't accessible to everyone. So it's really important. Let's talk for about us that. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dig into that a little bit. <laughs> it's because to me, the layperson in this discussion, it seems like intuitive eating would be the answer to something like emotional eating, getting to the root of what is actually in need and, and addressing that rather than filling it with food. So what what do you not love about that, that term intuitive eating? Well, not all of us have access to our intuition around food and what we need, um, one, because we have something going on metabolically. So I like to use the example of insulin resistance um, or any sort of hormone imbalance, right? When we're insulin resistant, insulin resistance is the root cause of um, prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's a condition that causes elevated glucose or blood sugar in our, in our blood. Um, and that then causes a cascade of... Um, um, a, a cascade of symptoms, which include increased hunger <laughs> and cravings for sweets and carbohydrates. Oh, I had um, no and, idea that that was, that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of the most common uh, medical conditions in the country and, and the world. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's something that many people experience, both men and women. And so if you're insulin resistant, and you listen to your body and your body's telling you you need sugar, <laughs> right? Like you're going to keep um, eating the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And like, technically that would be like right. considered intu your intuitive, right? But, but something's wrong there, right? So, th th so, so there's an imbalance um, and that imbalance is impacting your cravings. The same, even if you're not insulin resistant, right? So if you don't have regular meals, for example, like I'm one of those people who needs to eat every three to four hours. Um, if I, if I don't, then my blood sugar actually gets really low. And if my blood sugar is really low, that then is going to cause a series of symptoms that's going to lead me to want to consume high carbohydrate, high sugar, high fat foods, because sugar and glucose is the body's primary fuel source. So if I, if the body's perceiving me as 
starving, right? My blood sugar is low. Um, then it's going to want me to access fuel in the quickest way. And the quickest way to do that is with sugar and fat because fat has more calories than protein and carbohydrates. So we have to, if we want to practice intuitive eating, it's really important for us to have stable blood sugar, right? Really think about, okay, I'm managing a medical condition that impacts my appetite and my hormones. Maybe intuitive eating isn't the right person, isn't the right approach for me. Um, I think also too, we have to think about the environment, right? So we are in a, a, a food focused environment where we have access to foods in abundance, <laughs> highly processed, highly palatable foods, right? And so even if we, you know, it's, go it's going to take a, a lot of willpower to um, not want to indulge in those foods, right? And so that's just how our brain works, <laughs> right? We as humans want things that are high in carbs, high in fat. Um, and so if we have an access to them and we see them and they're around us all the time, um, it's going to be really difficult for us to really know intuitively what we need, right? So our food environment really influences and our access to food really influences um, our choices from like a uh, biochemical neurological perspective. So um, this makes so much sense, Tamar. Yeah, I never really. Yeah. Um, you're right because in a vacuum, intuitive eating makes a ton of sense, right? And I do think people who are in the position to practice it probably innately, intuitively, do it without knowing. But you're right; they're probably a, a certain subset of people who don't have the, the complications of the the blood sugar issues and all that too. I really never looked at it from that point of view. So that's fascinating to me and probably explains a lot of people's cycles with attempting that sort of method and, and failing. Yeah. And the reality is that highly processed, energy dense, high sugar foods are inherently addictive. So it's going to be really hard for you to regulate how much you're eating. It doesn't mean that you should avoid these foods completely. You shouldn't. But if you are consuming these foods, they should be consumed um, when you've already had, you know, foods that are satiating, foods that make you feel full, right? That's why I say, if you want dessert, have it after a meal instead of mm -hmm. in, instead of a meal, right? And, and not instead of a meal. Don't have it as a snack. Have it after dinner. Um, because then it's going to be a lot easier for you to stop um, after, after you feel satisfied because right. it's difficult to feel satisfied because there's no fiber and there's no protein in these foods. Like my Rice Krispie treats that I made the other day and I went to before lunch yesterday and I was like, yeah. somehow I don't feel full. Why? Because it's all butter and sugar. Um, exactly. I, I'm hearing what you're saying about sort of the logic behind why some of these methods do and don't work and it makes so much sense. And yet we're still really um, in the era of, of quick fixes and fad diets. Uh, what is the lure of that type of method and why do they continue to proliferate and people claim that they work so well? And this is in reference to, you know, a specific, remember back in the day, what was the one that beyond the master cleanse with the cayenne? Oh my God, tried it. <laughs> yes. try, was it deadly? I can't even imagine what it was like. Lemonade diet with cayenne, cayenne. pepper. Yeah, I did it. This was obviously before what? I was a dietitian. <laughs> what happened? Did it work? I mean, work for a, I for mean, a week yeah, or whatever? I starved myself for, you know, three a week. And then as soon as I started eating, I gained all the weight back. So it worked in the short term and not in the long term, which is kind of epitomizes like diets in general. Right, um, right. 
but and yet, I think, and yet they continue to, to just be so popular. Why do you think that is? I think the reality is that making change in your health is really hard and it's, it's really hard, Sunny. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? It's hard and you have to put the work in. Um, and some people aren't ready for that or they don't have the resources or support that they need to do that work. And so they're, but they know it needs to get done. So they're looking for quick fixes. And so it's, it's understandable, you know, um, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and, um, you know, people are just taken taken advantage of because of that. Um, so I think it's really important for people to, if they want to make changes in their health, the first thing that they need to do is accept that this is a process. It's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, nutrition is not a quick fix. Uh, it's not sexy. It really is. You got to do the work. Um, and, and so I think that's the first step is really, really accepting that. And then once you can accept that, um, then you're probably more likely to be successful, um, and more likely to see the change that you want. Yeah. So knowing that this all takes time, that it's a process, a difficult one, like you just said, is there any exception to the rule? Is there any level of fasting or, um, sort of strict dietary measures that work well for, I'm going to put air quotes, cleansing for a short period of time? Is there any exception to this rule? Because what you say makes sense. And yet there are lots of um, people out there who claim that when they do, and you can read this on any number of blogs or websites, that when they do a three-day fast or a four-day fast, which is soup only and blah, 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 that it works. So is there any subset of those restrictive practices that actually does cleanse the body or work to kickstart anything? So, you know, how do we define cleanse? How do we define, you know, kickstart, right? I think when we talk about kickstarting things, it's not really from a metabolic perspective. It's more from a motivational perspective. So people are motivated when they do a cleanse because they see results quickly, right? And so that kickstarts, they'll lose, you know, five pounds in a week, which is a lot. <laughs> um, and that will then kickstart their motivation. But we're not kickstarting your metabolism. We're actually doing the, the opposite. Um, the research really says that like the slow and steady weight loss is the weight loss that actually stays off, right? So losing weight isn't necessarily the hard part, keeping it off is the hard part. And we're constantly doing these extreme diets where we're having these, um, you know, highs and lows, in, in our weight where our weight is fluctuating quite a bit, that can actually damage our metabolism, um, which then in the long term makes it even harder for us to lose weight. So I think people feel like they're jumpstarting their metabolism because they lose a lot of weight in a very short period of time. But the reality is that in the long term, they're actually doing a lot of damage to their to their metabolism. Um, when you lose a rapid amount of weight in a short period of time, your body um, goes into sort of this thing called starvation mode, um, and decreases your metabolic rate. Um, so it's actually less efficient at burning calories. Um, and that then makes it easier for people to, to gain weight, um, right. or more difficult for people to lose weight. So, um, you know, we're not really kickstarting anything by going on like these extreme diets where we're fasting um, or not eating any food. It's from a metabolic perspective. Um, so I think that's that's a really big misconception that's important for people to understand. 
I'm just jotting this time code down. Hold on. I second. love it. Okay. You're taking notes. It's <laughs> <I love laughs> it. like what I used to do on set and TV. Hold on one second. Um, I want to get to this question from Jeanette, which came in only because in case she has to pop off, you can answer this quickly if, you, if you're able. She says, what do you yeah. suggest someone eat that has low blood sugar, but also gastroparesis? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Yeah. This is like such a good question. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about before, Sunny. There is room for things for diets, right? So when I talk about diets, I talk, I talk about therapeutic diets, um, which are diets that help to support medical conditions like gastroparesis. Gastroparesis is a medical condition that impacts our GI tract that makes it really um, difficult. The, our, the motility of our stomach is impaired. Um, so we have slow gastric motility. Um, and that makes it difficult for us to empty our stomach, right? Um, and so for that type of medical condition, it's important for us to follow a uh, prescriptive plan that helps to support your functioning of your gut. Um, and so typically for gastroparesis, um, I recommend making sure that you're having um, small frequent meals throughout the day um, and being really mindful about fat intake. Gastroparesis can be really tricky um, because it, it's, a, it's a disorder of motility. And so there are other therapeutic things that you could potentially do that might help to support motility, like acupuncture, for example. Um, if your blood sugar is low, um, it, which it often is with gastroparesis because you're emptying your gut really slowly, um, it can be helpful, again, to have those small frequent meals and make sure we're having carbohydrates with those meals um, and soluble fiber. Soluble fiber can be found in things like oatmeal. Um, or beans. Um, beans can be a little bit gas promoting if you have a sensitive gut, so that can be a little bit tricky. But um, so I think this is a this is such a good question when we're when we're thinking about like diets and prescriptive plans. There is space for for them. That's why intuitive eating doesn't work for everyone, right? Like it's going to be really you difficult. Are, um, yes, gastroparesis and low blood sugar for you to know intuitively what you should eat. Um, because it's influenced by how you're emptying your stomach. Yeah, this is just one more reason to call in the experts. We always say don't take medical advice from the internet. This is such a ringing endorsement for working with someone like you guys and your team because um, everybody is starting from a different point and from a different set of sort of health issues and challenges. That being said, does Kulina, does your whole team um, recommend a base level of, of blood work, um, of hormone panels. What do you do to get an idea of, of the clients that you're working with at the start of your time together? And Jeanette, thank you, by the way, for that question. Yes, Jeanette. Also, um, we'll give you my info later and we can chat more about this offline because I know it's complicated. Um, so, so yeah, our team, we are all about science, but also about personalization. So it's really important for everyone to have a personalized plan. That's why like diets, again, don't work, right? Because it's not personalized. It doesn't take into account things like, um, you know, access to food, likes and dislikes with food. Um, it doesn't take into account like, you know, medical condition, stress management, mental health, all of these things, right? So it's really important for us to collect as much data from our clients as possible. Um, so we want to know, you know, your relationship with food, stress management, lifestyle, we want to know all the things. So we do a really comprehensive assessment. And then when it comes to lab data, we have a nutrition focused um, 
set of labs that we ask our clients to get. We, we're not able to run um, labs ourselves as registered dietitians um, in New York State. Um, so we ask our clients to get these labs for us, although that that will change very soon for the future of Kalina. Um, and so we have this comprehensive list of nutrition related labs, and then we're able to really see what's going on with patients because you'd be surprised. A lot of people go to their primary care doctor, you know, once a year and they are not even getting their vitamin D levels run or they're not getting a comprehensive, you know, iron um, panel run. They're not getting a comprehensive cholesterol panel run. Um, you know, vitamins and minerals aren't being run by their physicians. So we, we do collect nutrition focused labs, and then we're able to really have a whole picture of what's going on with our clients. Uh, we ask our clients to fill out, you know, really comprehensive assessment um, that addresses, you know, all of these aspects of health. And then we see a big picture of what's going on with our client, and then we can make recommendations based on that data. So it's really a data driven process. Um, but it's also personalized when it comes from when it comes to a behavioral perspective. If you're not ready to do anything except for track your food, that's where we're going to start. You don't have to follow a huge plan in the beginning. Actually, most people fail when they try to do all the things in the beginning. We are here to tell you, you know what? This is what we found out about you based on all of this assessment that we've done. Um, where do you want to start? You tell me your goals and I'll help you to get there. I'm not going to tell you you need to lose 50 pounds. Maybe you're happy with your weight and you just want to move your body more. Great. Let's do that. Um, so it's really important for us to support our clients based on their goals, not on our plan, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. It feels like the solution to, um, like you said, multiple attempts and perhaps failures that people have had in the past to sort of stick with something is to slow and steady with the approach. Um, you guys had a recent really interesting post up on your blog on the Kalina Health website that talked about the importance of daily rituals. I know a lot of us have daily rituals as it pertains to our health and wellness or even our relationships, but tell us a few daily rituals that you and your team have found to be the most impactful in creating positive health changes. Yeah, you know, I think I think even just check maybe this isn't a daily ritual, but <laughs> checking in with your support system is so important. We are the support system to our clients. And so checking in with us daily or weekly, whatever that looks like, I think is so important. Um, we need each other in order for us to be successful. There's so much happening in the world and in our lives. And um, if we want to be happy and healthy, we can't do it our, on our own. So I think a great daily ritual is really just checking in with your support system, you know, offering help, receiving help. I think it's it's just so important. You you can't do it alone. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's kind of been one of my biggest learning lessons as a new mom too. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's yeah, sorry. you cannot do it alone. I know. Yeah. Has it <laughs> side note? Has it just completely also eradicated the sense of control you ever felt you had over your life too? I'm like, oh, mother, yes. great. My biggest lesson is I'm not in control of anything. Oh, not in control of anything at all. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really eye-opening. <laughs> it is. It's humbling. I always, I was yeah. the most organized, greatest person before kids. And now I'm like truly lucky. And I don't say this to sort of glamorize the mess and crazy of it all, but uh, it's, I was fortunate in the early days to literally walk outside and take a breath of fresh air. So but it gets better. Exactly. It gets like a shower. You know, and, <laughs> yes. Oh my a shower God. is a luxury. <laughs> it is. My, tomorrow, I used to walk to the mailbox. We had like a community mailbox. 
for about four minutes. And that was like my alone time. My husband will be like, was there like a big package? Why did it take so long? I'm like, I'm just breathing in fresh air. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me it's alone. Exactly. Well, you know what? Walking the dog is like my favorite activity of the okay. day. <laughs> it's therapy. It's therapy. Well, while we're on the topic of moms, let's quickly, quickly talk about um, post baby health issues, weight loss. I mean, we don't live in a bubble and we know that people do have difficulty losing maybe baby weight. So can we speak just very briefly to that set of new mothers out there who wants to be on a diet or health or wellness plan that sort of addresses those new needs as well? Yeah. I mean, I think most importantly, start, if you know that you're going to get pregnant or if you're trying to get pregnant, start then, right? I think motherhood, new motherhood is, it's the it's the most difficult time I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard <laughs> AF. <laughs> um, so, you know, don't start something new when your circumstances don't really support change really. Yeah. Start, it, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, if you want to eat more vegetables, if you want to establish a cooking routine, um, if you want to move your body more, really start doing that before or during pregnancy. Um, and that isn't just helpful for you as a mom, but it's also really helpful for a baby too. Uh, the healthier you are, the healthier baby is. So, um, I think that is really important. If you have the time to prepare, please prioritize your nutrition and your health, um, you know, before even thinking about pregnancy, but also certainly during pregnancy as well. That being said, you know, I had a really hard pregnancy. I was really tired a lot of the time. And so like, do what you can, you don't have to push yourself. Um, you know, I think it's, that's a good time to really be able to tap into your intuition and honor your body. Um, but I think when it comes to, you know, postpartum weight loss, give yourself some grace here. It, like I said, it's a very, especially as a first time mom, it's a very difficult time. Um, and there's a lot to think about. And unfortunately, um, you're keeping your baby alive is more important than, you know, you losing the weight. <laughs> um, so yeah. when all else fails, remind yourself back. of that. Yeah, it's a, it, yes, it's a perspective shift. I don't know. I'm I told you I'm about nine years out from my first one, and I'm not to scare you. I'm just crawling out of the hole. I'd be like, oh god, oh, it's me again. I remember this old person. Um, I want to ask you quickly. We have a quick uh, rapid fire sort of section at the end, but I want to know more about the mind diet, which you guys posted on your blog about as well. This combination Mediterranean slash other stuff diet. We keep hearing yeah. time and time again that Mediterranean is the way to go when it comes to not only physically maintaining health, but also having, you know, um, good working organs and good mental health. So tell us what the mind diet is and how it takes that sort of one step further. Yeah. So, you know, the Mediterranean diet is probably the most evidence-based diet that exists. Um, and nobody has said the Mediterranean diet is bad. <laughs> so um, you're, There really isn't anything that bad that can happen if you want to adopt a Mediterranean diet. So when in doubt, the Mediterranean diet will help with a lot of things, especially when it comes to health and longevity. I think the core of the Mediterranean diet is really focused on heart health. That's where most of the research really comes in um, and how the Mediterranean diet decreases, you know, cardiovascular disease. Um, but the Mediterranean diet can also help with other aspects of our health, like our mental health. Um, and really at the core of the Mediterranean diet, it's focusing on anti-inflammatory foods. And so we're really thinking about food and how it impacts 
our mental health and not just our physical health, like our heart health, right? And so inflammation is a key driver for disease. We know that inflammation is one of the root causes of cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, um, autoimmune disease. And so when we're thinking about diseases outside the physical body, well, outside the body, but when we think about diseases that impact our brain, um, a lot of the newer research is actually pointing to inf inflammation and its role on impacting our mental health. Um, for, for example, the connection between inflammation and depression. So it's really about thinking about how we can eat foods that optimize brain health as well. And uh, much of the Mediterranean diet um, can be supportive for um, brain health as well. Um, but we're kind of optimizing that a little bit more, more by including, um, you know, more anti-inflammatory anti foods um, that can that. really help to support brain health, like omega-3 fatty acids, for example. I love that. Um, I forgot to ask you about this too, and it just popped into my mind before we get to this um, quick final rapid fire round. What about intermittent fasting? And I'm asking because plenty of health practitioners talk about its benefits, but I've also heard interviews, particularly with the author of oh, Alyssa Vitti, I can't remember, she does a lot of work on yeah. um, female hormones and health, who says mm -hmm. um, pretty vehemently that it might not be the best for women because our cycle is that infradian rhythm where we're on that 28-day cycle and not men who are on a 24-hour cycle. So final verdict in your opinion on intermittent fasting for women, yay or nay? Nay for women. Okay, tell me why. Yeah. Um, I kind of echo the sentiment of Alyssa Vitti, right? When we think about fasting, um, that impacts cortisol um, and cortisol impacts our reproductive hormones. Um, women in general have higher levels of cortisol. So it's really important if we're fasting for us to manage our cortisol levels. Um, and so intermittent fasting can really disrupt um, cortisol, which can then impact our female hormones. Um, so that's that's why I'm I'm nay for intermittent fasting with women. Um, it's possible that it works for a small subset of women, um, not in my patient experience, but mm -hmm. it, it's it's possible. That's yeah, why it was it's so important for everyone to if you want to try something, work with a professional, experiment, right? That's personalization, right? For women in general, um, you know, it's hard to make these blanket statements. If you want if you want to try intermittent fasting, work with a professional, collect the data, see if it works for you. Right. I was really surprised, frankly, that the research that they had done on women with intermittent fasting was all done on menopausal women. So women who weren't on their cycles anymore. I, I mean, and, and if you're just reading the headlines or if you're not investigating further, it's easy to think, oh, yeah, of course, this is the answer to all my problems. Just like we said with intuitive eating, I guess the answer is always a little more nuanced than what we want it to yeah. be. But um, that's good. To, it's good to hear your opinion, because I I hear people who swear by it personally. And I, uh, it's good to have a final answer on that. So um, okay. <laughs> can we do one quick final lightning round here, Tamar? Yes, let's do it. Yay. Okay. So you don't have to go super, super long on these. We have seven to get through, but we're calling it myth <laughs> versus truth. Number one, fruit is just sugar. So stay away from it. If you're on a low sugar diet. Oh, myth, myth, big, big myth. Fruit has vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, fiber. It's not just sugar. It is nature's dessert. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay, so we can have, even if we're on a doctor-prescribed low-sugar diet, anything, it, it should it should be a red flag if they're telling you to stay away from it. Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. All right, number two, egg yolks are bad for you. I've heard this time and time again, and strange things like 
It can impact, um, it can cause inflammation. It can make you have those little floaters in your eyes. I heard a medical expert say that once. I was like, oh, maybe that's why, why I see these little black dots in my eyes when I look into the sunlight. Myth or truth? You're probably just sleep deprived. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a mom. <laughs> that is a absolute myth. Um, egg yolks are actually one of the only significant so dietary sources of vitamin D. Um, egg yolks are also a great source of vitamin A. Um, and for most of the population, egg yolks do not impact cholesterol levels. Um, there is a small subset of the population where dietary cholesterol found in egg yolks can increase um, the cholesterol in our blood and in our body, but that is a small subset and that's genetically driven. Um, most others, I eat eggs every single day, I have a perfect mm -hmm. cholesterol plant panel. Yeah, me too. I literally have scrambled eggs with cheese. It's probably the bad part. Um, that's yep. so funny because like I'm an, I'm an 80s baby. And do you remember like the egg whites in a carton? They would shake up and it got like really, well, you're probably too young for this, but it was like the whole thing. No, like, I, 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 I was there. <laughs> I was there for that one. <laughs> oh my God, it got such a bad rap. Um, okay, number three, myth or truth, caffeine stunts your growth. This is so funny. I was just talking about this yesterday. This is a myth <laughs> that we tell our children so they don't bring <laughs> be too young, <laughs> but it does not stunt your growth. Okay, good to know. As I yeah. sip on a way too late coffee, this is the first chance I got today. So anyway, um, all right. Number four, myth or truth, all carbs are bad. Total myth. Carbs are broken down into glucose and glucose is the body's primary fuel source. It is required by the brain and the muscles in order to function. We need to consume carbohydrates in order for us to survive. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. I'm Italian, so listen. Literally, like there's olive oil running through my veins and like my arms are noodles. I, I couldn't, I don't know how people do it. And I have a lot of respect for people who can completely cut carbs if they have to, but Okay. But you're also saying don't go overboard and have like a dense carbohydrate, like a processed carbohydrate for every meal on the other hand. Yeah. So when we talk about carbs, it's important for us to, again, put things in context, what type of carbs, how much carbs, and when you're having the carbs and what, what you're having them with, right? So we want to focus on having non-processed whole carbohydrates that are high in fiber. Um, we want to be mindful of our portion and make sure we're balancing carbohydrates with other things like non-starchy carbs, like vegetables and fruit and protein and healthy fat. So we don't want to have a meal that's predominantly carbohydrates, like one bowl of pasta. Although once in a while, that's totally fine. You're Italian, do you? Um, <laughs> throw a meatball in there, you get some protein, you got your veggies. Protein, and exactly. Sauce, we're all good. Sauce, yeah. And then you, you're good to go. But and that's the make point, it right? If, if you want to have pasta, make it better, optimize it. So yeah. it's we're not saying to avoid carbs and they're not bad by any means. They're actually really good for us. We just want to be mindful of the type, how much we're having, when we're having it, and what we're having it with. Got it. Okay, next one. Um, myth or truth, everyone should be gluten and or dairy free. Myth. So many myths today. I love it. <laughs> I know. I feel like, uh, uh, speaking of PR, like eggs got a bad PR rap in the 80s. Gluten needs to hire like a serious emergency PR team because everybody hates gluten. <sighs> everybody is allergic to gluten. Everybody is sensitive to gluten. Is this really the case? Can all of us be that sensitive to something that's so prevalent? 
So within a certain population, gluten can be harmful. That population tends to be one, people who have autoimmune disease like celiac disease. Other people who have other autoimmune diseases um, like Hashimoto's hypothyroid tend to actually be sensitive to gluten as well. Um, people who have GI conditions may also be more sensitive to the effects of gluten. Um, so there is a small subset of the population that I think could benefit from going going gluten free. There's a condition called non celiac gluten sensitivity, um, which is a medical condition where you know GI doctors have identified medically people who are sensitive to gluten, but don't have celiac disease. So there's something there. However, I think people are on the gluten bandwagon because they cut out gluten containing foods, which are things like, you know, pizza, pasta, um, bread, <laughs> desserts, and they feel better, but it's really not the gluten that is, is making them feel bad. It's, you know, these highly processed, energy dense, high sugar foods, right? So I think mm -hmm. that's where the misconception is. Um, as far as dairy is concerned, you know, if you're lactose intolerant, you can still have dairy. There are certain dairy products that are low lactose, like, like hard cheeses. Many people tolerate hard cheese or Greek yogurt if they're lactose intolerant. You know, cutting out some people are sensitive to casein. For example, like if you have acne, um, there is some very preliminary research that, um, dairy products may, um, exacerbate symptoms of acne. Um, and so, where there's a lot to learn here, but I think if you suspect that you're sensitive to gluten or dairy, your best approach is to work with a registered dietitian to do a formal elimination and reintroduction diet. Um, so we can actually collect that data in a scientific personalized way um, and really see what your symptoms are and figure out if it's the right choice for you. Got it. Okay. Next one. Myth or truth? We're having a lot of myths here, but work with me. Yeah. Um, detox, detox is clean out the body. We hear that quite a bit. Like we talked about earlier, drink this juice for five days, go on this restrictive eating for a day and a half. It'll clean your body out and give you a fresh start. Myth or truth? Myth. Actually, our liver is in charge of detoxifying our body. <laughs> and it does a really Wait, good what? job. <laughs> Something free that we don't have to pay for that's innately in yeah. all of our bodies? I don't know. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. But it is possible to tax the liver, obviously, with too much alcohol, too many things. So, but if you're living overall healthy, you're good. You don't have to go out of the way to do that separate detox program. Yeah, exactly. So you're better off actually adding things in or taking things away that support your liver function if you want to detoxify more effectively or efficiently, right? So some people have fatty lip, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it's important for us to, you know, work with the diet to um, ameliorate that medical condition, which then helps our liver detoxify our body better. Got it. Okay. One final myth or truth. Eating fat is bad. Yay or nay? Oh, eating fat is so good. So that is a total myth. <laughs> um, you know, I think this, this again is nuanced. And I think the theme of all of this is, is nutrition is very nuanced, right? Um, when it comes to fat, we require fat for our brain to function. Um, we require fat for our hormones. Um, so it's really important for us to consume fat in our diet. Many fats are anti-inflammatory, so they fight, they help us to fight inflammation. Um, fat makes us feel full. Um, so it's, it's really important for us to consume fat it, again, but it just depends on what types of fat how, and how much fat you're consuming. Um, so fat, eating fat is not bad. Um, it, it just depends.
Awesome. Um, Tamara, we are so grateful that you took time to start your new year with us. This is such a topic that people have have consistently brought up time and time again at the start of a new year, how to refurbish their whole system and how to restart fresh. So tell us a little bit about, quickly before we go, if we're interested in working with Kulina Health, um, how that will look and how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Sunny. This has been so fun. I'm hoping everybody feels a little bit more calm and confident in their ability to reach their goals. Um, we at Kulina Health uh, provide virtual nutrition counseling um, and we take insurance. So it's actually pretty easy to get in touch with us. Just head to our website. Um, yeah, I think people, a lot of people don't know that insurance um, covers counseling for nutrition um, with a registered dietitian. So um, you can just go to our website, cleanahealth.com, um, and there is a great button that you can book a session online. Um, you, we also do free discovery calls. So if anybody is unsure, if they have any specific questions they want to ask, um, you can hop on a call with one of our dietitians for free um, and talk through some stuff. So um, that's the best way to you know, get started and working towards your health goals. There really is no harm done in, in, in starting that conversation. Yeah. Put those HSA dollars to good use. I say, amen. Awesome. <laughs> Tamar, thank you again so much for spending time with us and happy new year to you. Thank you, Sunny. Happy new year to you too. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching and or listening. As always, the live show happens Wednesdays at noon Eastern on both Facebook and YouTube, and we love the live questions. So come back. If you've only been listening on the podcast, try to pop in because that's when we can actually ask your questions in real time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. Yeah.